0: Bring in show music, please.
1: This is Squawk Pod, and I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. On today's episode...
0: Inflation remains too high, and the labor market continues to be very tight. We remain strongly committed to bringing inflation back down to our 2% goal.
1: Fed chair Jay Powell is hiking rates again, and not everyone's happy about it.
0: This
2: 2% inflation target is made up.
1: Real estate mogul and investor Barry Sternlicht...
2: The economy will have a hard landing. He is using a steamroller to get the price of milk down two cents. He's just to kill a small fly.
1: And who wins AI? CNBC's John Fort on the new crop of companies pushing the tech forward and the incumbents positioned for success.
3: These companies were winners in the cloud era. Now they're selling picks and shovels in the new AI gold rush.
1: Plus the SEC is Cracking down on crypto by way of celebrities. It's pretty
4: smart because if you want to get the most publicity for what you're doing, you get big headlines with the going after the celebrities who are involved in this.
1: It's Thursday, March 23rd, and SquawkPod begins right now.
0: Stand back, by in three, two, one, cue it, please.
4: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan. Andrew
1: is off today.
4: Let's take a look at how things are shaping up.
1: First up today on the podcast, the seesawing market reaction to two federal officials telling two sort of different stories about what the recent banking shockwaves mean to the economy.
0: Good afternoon. Before discussing today's meeting, let me briefly address recent developments in the banking sector. In the past two weeks,
1: the Federal Reserve hiked interest rates yesterday by 25 basis points. It's the central bank's ninth consecutive increase of the key Fed funds rate. Chairman Jay Powell, while defending the hike in spite of the recent banking volatility, did indicate that rate increases could be, maybe, nearing an end. The markets, initially weighed down by the rate hike news, were relatively flat once Powell's press conference ended because it looked like this rate hiking journey might almost be over. The language in the Federal Open Market Committee's statement regarding future rate hikes was modified for the first time in a long time to leave room for one more hike, maybe more than one, maybe none.
0: We no longer state that we anticipate that ongoing rate increases will be appropriate to quell inflation. Instead, we now anticipate that some additional policy firming may be appropriate. We will closely monitor incoming data and carefully assess the actual and expected effects of tighter credit conditions on economic activity, the labor market, and inflation.
1: Powell believes that the banking problems, while serious, are contained.
0: These are not weaknesses that are, that are at all Broadly through the banking system, this was a this was a bank that was an outlier in terms of both its percentage of of, uh, of uninsured deposits and in, in terms of its uh, holdings of duration risk.
1: But while Chairman Powell's press conference was ending, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen was beginning her testimony to a Senate subcommittee. She poured cold water on the report that the administration is studying blanket insurance for all deposits in the banking system. We've
0: not considered uh, or discussed anything having to do
1: with blanket um, insur- insurance or guarantees of two all points. deposits. To Wall Street, Powell and Yellen did not seem to be on the same page. The markets, which were relatively flat, as I said, after Powell finished, wavered after Yellen's comments. Banks sold off and the markets closed the day lower than they started. The debate is
4: about whether or not the Fed's going to have to re- reverse course later this year and cut rates. They say no right now, but uh, you see the we markets said early on. indicating otherwise.
5: We had no idea yeah. what the reaction would be, and I... When I saw it uplaw, I said, if he had gone zero, it could have been worse, or if he had done 50, it could have been worse.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Right. But I think he did a pretty masterful job of explaining and and talking about how bank deposits um, have really stabilized at this point and seeing some good things there. Well, we'll right see. Steve, we'll please. see with First
5: Republic. We'll see. I, I didn't look at it today. It was down 15 percent. It, on, it down was 15%. up about 3
4: percent earlier this morning. I'm not but sure.
5: It down was down 15 again it. yesterday. It, uh, yeah, It's up 40 cents at 13.71 on the bid.
4: All right, Steve. Take it away. Good luck. I'm sorry that we kind of stepped all over the top of that. Look, Janet Yellen was in a position where, you know, the day before she was talking to bankers saying, "Okay, yeah, everything's going to be okay. We'll look at it and kind of implying that things would be the deposits would be there. When she's in front of Congress, she's got to say what the law says, which is we can't do this. We don't have the authority to do this. And that's kind of what she was getting pushed into. So I. You know, I, I understand why the stocks fell based on that. Yes. I understand why she said what she said.
5: In human nature, Steve, we, we don't, we haven't used the bankster pejorative since probably 2008. But do you remember when and, those guys could give loans and mortgages to people that didn't even have addresses because they had AMBAC, uh, you know, the CDOs and everything, they'd buy some crappy insurance, that was no good. But they pretended everything was was money good because they had these AAA rates. They went nuts. You remember how much what they built up because of of the fees they could charge? Do you remember how well those guys were doing? And Merrill would watch. Some other company do the mortgage. Why aren't we in these mortgage backs? And they, they, banksters go crazy with greed and and easy money. Can you imagine if you uh, were going to insure deposits? They'd never have to think of anything again. They'd do whatever they they, they would they would finance everything because their deposits were good. No one there'd never be another run. That is a, a recipe for disaster. Steve, is it
6: not? Um, <laughs> Joe, I think we're going to have to. I. I, I think we're going to have to rethink the banking system right now, Joe. And it's because of this. It's the phone, right? The More, idea well, that, that too. deposits moral hazard, may not, Moral hazard is, is part, hundreds part, of years old. Moral hazard is hundreds yeah, of years Joe, old. Joe, look, look, let me concede. Everything you said is true. Given the ability to, to to lend with no concern about the, the deposit base, your money back. banks yeah. might. Now, now, remember, Joe, the moral hazard still exists, right? It exists in the equity. It exists in the bonds, right? The bond traders and the equity holders were indeed no, wiped out. So that moral hazard isn't gone. And Joe, you, you know I have my own doubts about if the regulators couldn't find it, if the equity holders didn't see it, if the bond holders didn't see it, then what kind of discipline are the depositors really uh, 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 inflicting on the banking system? Are they really acting as if the banks—they're uh, uh, really evaluating the bank's books? I don't think they're doing that.
4: Well, the, not in advance. Th- if they, they would, if they, got, not an,
5: not an the they, if they got—not
4: in advance. If they
6: had gotten a haircut, if,
5: if they'd gotten a haircut yeah, or lost their it, deposits, why, they would have. And the the Fed did know for five years. knew about SVB and duration risk. The San Francisco Fed said, "You got to do
6: something."
4: 2019.
6: Four years. 2019. but here's the thing: Why why wouldn't the equity holders know it? Why wouldn't all the analysts that we read about the banks know it? That's why a good wouldn't question. the bondholders know I will, it? But I will tell you, you have to poll dig. First. If you start
4: looking, if you start looking through these, you really have to dig and know what you're looking for on some of them. I, I will give SVB. I know. The, but I did SVB it. was saying that they were the ones who were being upfront on their balance sheet, and they were. I read through theirs and because they were not have for to hold right. maturity. They were they were right. very upfront, and with a lot of these other banks, you really do have to dig. Because I've been looking the same thing, Steve. You and, guys. They are not but as a. You front guys about remember Enron? Yeah. You yeah. guys
6: remember Enron? Enron disclosed all those third-party deals it was yeah. doing, and everybody said, "Oh, we're shocked. We're shocked Steve, to find the, out about it. It was in the disclosures."
5: The Fed. What we we keep saying four hundred and seventy-five basis points in a year. So until a year ago, no one. They should have thought rates are going to go up someday. Exactly. But they, the, the, for you know. Four years ago, no one was thinking we're, we're moving off zero quickly. And the Fed thought inflation was transitory a year ago. So no one knew we were going up to 5% right. in the blink of an eye. But that's what you're supposed to think about. I'm telling you, people like Jamie Dimon, the smart guys, the smart risk managers, were thinking about that. They're not stuck in this uh,
6: mess. Most of but them. Here's the thing, Joe. For so long, we've had this ability to move money with the phone. That the technology developed, and nobody cared because there was no reason to move your money. You were gonna get zero percent interest here and you were gonna get zero percent interest you there. I All learned of a sudden, yep. you, can, you can use it, right? And the money moved very, very fast. And so, but, but, so the idea that, that these deposits are not as sticky as we thought they were, it really challenges the banking model. Good. What is a deposit? How long is it gonna be there? And if my deposit can leave in a hurry, how much lending can I do on the other side of it? Even even with term, safe right? stuff, safe stuff
4: like Treasuries or really good mortgages that that have a very good risk profile on them too. If you're locking right. up Remember, ten years at really low rates, two and a half percent, two point seven five percent, three percent, and rates move.
6: A,
5: but a short rates, that was when we had a, an actual normal yield curve. They were, there was a reason to go long at that point, but not really. Right. You shouldn't go right. long. for. We but, said uh, who, who in their right mind would buy a 30-year at 2%? Nobody.
6: You'd have to be insane to do that. But a bank's ma- business, Joe, is maturity transformation, right? It takes short-term money and lends yeah. it out long. And but, if you can't rely on the short-term money being there, then... I mean I think the answer may be the toaster coming back, but I'm not sure that's gonna be enough. Right. You know
4: what it's gonna be? It's going to be giving you loans because you can't get them anywhere else. I mean it's that's the credit. Yeah, but what what about the up. deposit
6: base, Becky? What about the deposit base? That's the Well the, the
4: problem's gonna be that you you're gonna to have to have money to get a loan. That's where we're coming back. Like if you put down X amount right. with us and we have this much in your holdings, then you'll get a loan and at those rates.
6: <laughs> By the way, that was the SVB banking model, Becky. Unfortunately, yeah, right? That's You true. had to keep your money in that bank. You had to be a, a, a customer across all sorts of services. They right. sort of figured it out. They just didn't do the do the right thing on the back end on the liability side. They had a yoga. On director, the
5: asset not but no risk manager. I mean, they, they well, did look, some Jamie other Dine things. Jamie Dimon
4: he's the risk manager.
7: He is the CEO and, and be probably the, doing the best it, one. If you have
4: to rely on somebody else. Uh, The SEC in another move also charging eight celebrities with illegally touting two cryptocurrencies without disclosing that they were paid to do so. The celebrities named in the suit include actress Lindsay Lohan and social media personality Jake Paul. Six of the celebrities have agreed to pay a combined $400,000 to give back any profits from that and settle the charges. Those celebrities were all backers of Justin Sun's Tronix and BitTorrent crypto assets. The SEC charged Sun with committing fraud by manipulating the trading activity of the two crypto tokens, creating the appearance of active trading when it did not exist. And by the way, they also said that he's the one who told the celebrities that they couldn't say he was paying them to do this. Now, all of this attention around Justin Sun brought up his association with Berkshire Hathaway's Warren Buffett. In fact, there were photos yesterday circulating of Sun with Buffett. You can see a close-up shot of the two of them here. But if you pull back on that photo a little bit, you'll see that this was actually a meeting with Sun and four others. This photo was taken at a lunch that Buffett had with Sun, and it was one that Sun paid $4.56 million to charity for. Justin Sun was the winner of the auction that's That's held annually to raise money for Glide. That's the San Francisco-based charity that Buffett's been raising money for for a very long time. That association did raise some brows at the time because of Buffett's comments around cryptocurrency. He's never been a fan, he's been very vocal about it. But after that lunch with Sun, Buffett actually changed the requirements of the Glide auction to say from then on, he would have to personally approve all bidders for the auction. He did that to try and keep out promoters, anybody who was looking. You know, $4.56 million is not a bad amount of money to try and make it look like you are getting the blessing of of Buffett when it comes to cryptocurrency. Get that
5: nice picture with everybody else out.
4: Right, the very last auction was last year. That was, he said, the last auction he'd be holding for the luncheon at Glide. Right. Somebody paid over 19 million dollars for it. justin son actually wanted to bid over 20 million dollars. He reached out to Glide, and Buffett said no.
5: <laughs> like, no not this guy. No,
4: not, not, we're not going to do that again. So, but it's an it's an interesting—you know—when you auction yourself off for lunch, you do put yourself in the position.
5: Oh, maybe. I know, I You've know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they'll just pay. I'll go um,
4: for lunch. You mean?
5: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, <laughs> for lunch uh, with dessert. But um, Kim Kardashian, remember she? This was the same situation. It was yeah. totally. I thought disclosed that she was a, like a paid spokesperson, but that. But then instead of just going, just to put it to bed, I forget what. She had to I think pay- It was
4: a million dollars, right?
5: So she she said to her assistant, "Look, you just, just just pay that out of petty cash. Get this out of. I yeah. mean, really, that is like to, to the Kardashians.
4: But the, but for Gary Gensler, the way he's going after it, it's pretty smart. Because if you want to get the most publicity for what you're doing, you get big headlines with the going after the celebrities who are involved in this. And again, right. he has limited authority. Congress has not signed off to say that the SEC is in charge of this stuff. It's still kind of up in the air. I understand his." His attack plan of going around and trying to put a little fear into right. the industry to maybe bring them. I'm not time
5: sure it's bad for Coinbase. I mean, it's a public company. I, I think, company. It's, I think it's, if, you, if
4: you get some regulatory oversight, that's it would right, be a helpful situation
3: probably. Cheese will be next.
1: Coming up on Squawk Pod, real estate investor and mogul Barry Sternlicht rails against the Fed's latest hike.
2: You do not have to see the car hit the wall to know that it's going 8,000 miles an hour, and it will hit the wall
1: the hard landing we're headed for, real estate's credit crunch, and adding some nuance to our economic picture.
2: There's good inflation and bad inflation. Good inflation is wage inflation. We should be having parties.
1: Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com This is Squawk Pod.
6: Stand by, Joe. Here's Mike. Q. Good
5: morning and welcome back to Squawk Box Live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. And um, I don't know about saying this, new this morning. I don't think we would be telling you, would we? Uh, And this happened last week. Electrek is reporting. No, this is. (laughs)
4: Oh, you take issue with the news this morning? Yeah. We're bringing you the news, yeah. and we just want to let you know.
5: New this morning. So this did not – we did not report on this like eight times last week. This is actually something – Well, it's something- not yesterday's news today. Electrek. Oh. <laughs> Electrek is reporting that Tesla told its employees it expects to lose the $7,500 federal tax credit on its standard range Model 3 vehicle because of the batteries – uh, they come from china the report says tesla expects the irs to update guidance about origin requirements any day now if you read mervyn block and that was uh, like the i had to figure out how to write broadcast news when i left the brokerage business to do this
1: yeah.
5: broadcast news Boy, if yeah, you figure yeah yeah <laughs> sharper shorter quicker don't lead with something that just happened don't say things that are or that you know are true don't the and fact and that. don't Do you open say the that? kimono and show everybody <laughs> how
4: the sausage is made. Like this is yeah, like, let's get what, to the what about this with sharp. I just shorter, heard yeah, yeah,
5: right. What about it with sharp for sure? No, well, it's gotta be entertaining too, but but Evans just told me quick, let's get to yesterday's news. So you gotta <laughs> okay, go. Okay, here we go.
4: <laughs> right now I want to bring in our next guest, Barry Sternlicht, who is the chairman and CEO of Starwood Capital. Barry has been vocal for quite a while with us, talking about how he thinks the Fed should have stopped raising rates sooner. So, Barry, what's your reaction to the Fed's move yesterday?
2: Uh, how much time we got? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think um, I think uh, Chairman Powell's in a really tough spot. You have a uh, federal government that's spending money at a rate of $1.7 trillion. That was 1.616 and in 20 and 21. So you have a huge, the biggest customer of the whole economy, the federal government across the hill spending money as fast as they can. And they're not actually changing their spending patterns based on his interest rate raises. So the only place he's going to impact is private enterprise. And um, while I thought my comments on not raising really reflected what I saw going on in the fixed as- fixed asset markets like real estate, uh, I didn't really look at, at what was happening and, t- and what they were doing what the impact would be on the banking system. So I think um there, you know that that he he obviously I think he didn't need to do what he did yesterday. I think to say that the economy isn't going to slow down uh, because of the regional banking crisis and to even pretend that these banks are solvent, as he said, uh, they're solvent when they haven't uh, can borrow three hundred billion dollars from the Fed overnight and borrow more money uh, than they did in the two thousand and seven two thousand and eight crisis, and it's all their fault. There are four hundred PhDs of the Federal Reserve, four hundred. This weekend, me and two of my colleagues went through six regional banks, and if you had to mark them to market, they're all insolvent. Now, why are they insolvent? I heard Joe say earlier about the missing risk officer. Actually, it was the rule book set up by the government. The government said that if you own 10-year fixed agencies or mortgage-backs or you own treasuries, it's one-fifth the capital requirement than if you went out and bought floating rate notes, senior secured floating rate notes. So you wound up with a situation the banks were following the rules. They were fine the rules, and they did not have to mark those securities to market. We run the nation's largest mortgage rate. We have $2 billion in securities. We're 90% rate hedged. It couldn't have happened to us, but because the banks face no consequences with the, with the held to maturity category, they decide to save some money and not put any hedges in place. That's irresponsible, but it is the rule book that the OCC and the government, the Treasury, and the Fed oversaw. And they didn't even stress test these banks if rates rose. So they should have been the first ones to see what they were doing to the regional banks. And by raising raising interest rates even yesterday, they're just increasing the, the losses in the regional banks, which means they may still have to go and borrow additional capital uh, from the Fed. So, so it's sort of like what he said was disingenuous, right? Yes, if you have an unlimited borrowing capacity from the federal government, you have a sound regional banking system. And the regional banking system is not small. I was actually surprised that it makes 70% of all commercial real estate loans. And it's the guy who wants to buy a tractor or the guy who wants to fix up that little shop on this corner. And it's gonna be pretty hard for the JP Morgans, though I adore them, or the B of A's who I also like, or the Goldman Sachs's, who don't really do that, but our national bank to actually replace the system. And what the effect will be, or will accelerate what I talked about earlier which is that the, the crisis in real estate and, the, and fixed, assets, fixed assets is slow. And as loans mature, and you see, now you're seeing, a, every day you'll hear about an office building going back to a, a bank, and that the Fed was also all over the, they were paying, spending a lot of time on the systemic banks and telling them, do not increase your exposure to office buildings and real estate. Well, I, I just wonder who on earth they think is going to refinance that office building on Park Avenue. And, and I think if you, Take that to its logical conclusion. Values will drop. It's a $3 trillion asset class office buildings in the United States. It's not small. Um, And it's a a situation where they don't lend and other people can't lend. These buildings will go down. Cities and municipalities rely on real estate values to pay for all their services. Receipts go down. And you wind up in a really bad place, which you can see. You do not have to see the car hit the wall to know that it's going 8000 miles an hour and it will hit the wall. It will most hit the wall. I've always focused you, with you. When you
4: say hit the wall, the car hit the wall. You mean the commercial real estate market with the office I mean buildings? The
2: economy will Will have a hard landing. I mean that the, the this 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 he is using a steamroller to get the price of milk down two cents. He's to kill a small fly and i think it's time we sort of change your conversation there's good inflation and bad inflation good inflation is wage inflation we should be having parties the 15 it, he's limiting inflation to 2% so the guy making 15 bucks an hour is going to get a 30 cent raise that is not what this country should celebrate. That's not what we should want. No, we but want the, the, the wage 15.
4: inflation becomes problematic when it spins into prices, you know, the wage price spiral that goes with it. You know that, Barry, and then wages aren't even keeping pace with prices going up.
2: Well, that's true, except the rest of the commodity complex is equally or more important. And if the commodity prices are falling, and look where oil is today, you can see that the, the component costs will go down, especially as unemployment rises. So, having reasonable inflation is how cap- of wages is how capitalism is supposed to work. If I can't get a housekeeper or, 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 or somebody to clean rooms in my hotels and I have to pay them twenty five bucks instead of fifteen, I have to raise prices. We can deal with that. That's wealth creation for the nation. If we if we just kill their jobs and say you know are going because that's the problem with one point seven trillion dollars. There are the it, the major components of the economy: healthcare, education, government. Those jobs aren't going away. They're not, they're not interest rate sensitive. At least, well, it, at least get, short Barry, you, you,
5: were,
4: you were not kidding when you said, how much time do we have? Because there's yeah. so much that you've already kind of given me. I want to go back and make sure that people are, are realizing what you said first out was that you and two colleagues looked through how many of the regional banks, 401 uh, oh, yeah. did, 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 We just did, did six. <laughs> so you did six of them. And, and, and your idea behind it is, is that what? Without having the ability to, to borrow from the Fed's window right now, they'd all be insolvent?
2: Technically, if you mark all their held to maturity books, they're all insolvent. And one of them, I won't mention which one you've talked about it often, we had a number of like negative $50 a share. So, you know, I think you moved rates so far so fast that you had collateral damage and the Fed is acting like the neutron bomb. He's going to be standing and everything else will be blooded and and dead in his way. And I just don't understand the empathy of this is one place where I totally agree with Senator Warren and that I've never said anything like that before. But I mean, I think to actually aim to get rid of 5 million of the 10 million jolt jobs and then bring unemployment up. And he's saying he's not trying to do that, but that's actually what he's trying to do. You can't stop wage growth by not actually destroying jobs. So he has to go after the service economy. He has to hit the manufacturing economy because that's where interest rate sensitivity takes place. Construction jobs in January fell, open jobs fell 50%, the largest drop in history. And that will continue. I continue to tell you, we're building our projects, but when we're done, we're shelving everything on the, on, on the table. So you will see everything slow down. It just takes time. And their data, again, one more point, this rent equivalent that is in this, this last report and the five last before it showed rents going up 9.6%. It's either 0.8 or 0.7 per month every month. It's the highest number in this last report, and it's dead wrong. He is using uh, that survey of rent of homeowners was invented in 1981, 50 years ago. I don't even think I had an iPhone in 1981. I didn't certainly to have the Internet of They didn't have artificial <laughs> intelligence. They didn't have as, an iPhone in the year 2000. As chat GBT, what rents are doing in the United States today? Rents are about up four. They're not up nine, six. And if you adjust the nine, six to today's rent of four, inflation would be 2.6% according to our, our, our data scientists internally. So he's going to get just what he wants, except now he's thrown a whole new wrinkle into this thing, which is the blow up of the regional banking system, where the Fed has to decide if it wants to basically ensure every deposit in the country, which- he, he can't really do that. I think he has that. the ability to
4: do No, he doesn't. He he do did, we've kind of determined that you need congressional approval to do that. Barry, let, let me talk to you about commercial real estate because that is what you know better than probably just about anybody else. Um, you said last year that you were looking at great opportunities when it came to commercial real estate. This year, I think just this month, you said. Yeah, there's some great opportunities, and unfortunately, we can't do anything ab- about it because you've got to worry about liquidity issues yourself. So, what, what what do you kind of take away from what's happening in commercial real estate? As you mentioned, people are handing back buildings to the banks and saying, "Forget it, we're gonna we're gonna walk away from this."
2: You're probably in any one or two of that. You know, there's the, particularly the office asset class, which has its own idiosyncrasies. It's not true everywhere. Newer buildings are staying leased, and they have good tenancy and. Um, those are actually recovering, I'd say, and they're holding their rents. But the rest of the B and C office in every market are very challenged. And nobody knows in this interest rate environment what to pay for a building because you can't borrow against it because the banks are all told we're not supposed to have office loans. So you have to go to an alternative lender. And most of those alternative lenders are, are don't have liquidity right now. So you know, it, 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 I don't see, unless he lo- lowers rates, how we're not going to have a serious crisis in the office space. Uh, area. And then you have the other asset classes. Fannie and Freddie do lend to multifamily properties. So there is liquidity there. There is a lender. Um, you know, it's very expensive. And, you know, we, we, Powell didn't raise rates in 21 when rents were galloping at 22% because of that delay in his data and then when he finally caught up the data caught up rents had already trended down and so i don't know why when you have used car prices and you have watches and you have airline fares and you have food and eggs i don't know why one third of the cpi has to be on this i actually read it i actually went back and looked at how do they calculate this rent equivalent index and it's a survey of households if you called me and said what is your house rent for how on earth would i know i mean what kind of what kind of Byzantine program that they developed in 1981 that they've modified three or four times, but it's still queue, it. So anyway, I,
5: I just wanted to get a because I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but I mean we have a we have a problem, Houston. We have the Fed that stayed at zero for so long, and Kevin Morris was on the other day saying they buy all these bonds, which enabled the government to spend as much money. They they were part and part. They were like partners, partners in the spending. So they did that. Now, so they, they made this mess, basically, or at least contributed to it. Now they're going to make sure that they try to kill the economy to, to really fix part of the problem the mess. and mess that they the mess made. So he right. says that <laughs> there should be like a regime. This is no way to run a, an economy. And, he, and Kevin Ward says there should be a regime change. How would you what would you do about
2: it? How do you solve a problem like Maria? How, not Maria, but like the Fed. I mean, the the. The, the consequences of having everyone's taking their money out of anything productive and buying his treasuries. I mean, that's uh, now you can't put your money in a bank anyway, so you got to go buy some CDs and treasuries. So that's just going to slow down the economy. I mean, it's common sense tells you exactly what's going to happen. You have to get out of these mathematical mathematical models. There are 400 PhDs at the Fed. 400. I think we have a regime change the PhDs. And that's your first problem. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, you can't take the regional banking system and, and replace deposits at one with money borrowed at five and expect these banks to have any profitability or to be able to lend to people at, at reasonable rates. So what's yeah, the solution?
4: To- what's the solution, Barry, if it's not if it's not blanket insurance for the deposits?
2: Um, they they should limit the amount that the banks can pay for for CDs for deposits because otherwise you know one guy's at eight one guy's at six one guy's at twelve and one guy's playing with venture capital I mean uh, and they should probably they should probably go back to some modified maturity thing you can't have all your assets held to maturity maybe a certain amount the problem with held to maturity is where it gets bad is that there's a crisis and then there's a there's some distress marks which don't reflect reality. But remember what they did in 0708. They took the lending rate from five to zero. So every bank was instantly able to recapitalize. Nobody could borrow for zero. No private enterprise could do that. I they didn't lend Star Property Trust money at zero. We would have we, we could have been bigger than Goldman Sachs. But the banking system they saved. And 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 they were bad actors then, right? But now I, I think they have to um I think they have to lower rates. That's how you recapitalize the banks, frankly. I don't think. I think they've done enough. I think you're going to see what's going to happen. And if they don't lower rates, the bond market is telling you what's going to happen. The bond market is right. The credit markets are the smartest guys in the room. They are right. Their interest rates have to fall. The economy is going to implode and 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 he's going to hit a wall uh, uh, it's going to implode i mean the housing market is actually a funny thing because people do want to buy homes and that's been surprising <laughs> the right. strength of the housing okay. market but but it's there and don't forget the builders are subsidized Rates too. They're they're yeah. they're. It's like yeah. the car companies giving you zero percent financing. I mean, they're Diana, they know oh, look, what they're we're doing. Diana talking about
4: that this morning, right? With some of the givebacks that you get and the and the mortgage rates that they'll give you too. Yeah, free, hey, you buy very- a house
2: to get a free car. <laughs> look, I think it's fascinating, but I think it's really it's really they're really important issues here. You know, I think it's um, it, it is it is really um, it's a very complicated time. And like I started off by saying, I feel badly for Powell. I mean, you have a government spending money as fast as it can if he wants to. Get inflation down. Why does it go across the hill and have a temper tantrum and tell these guys to stop funding everything inside? It's trillion seven more money this year than in the pandemic years. I mean, how could that even be possible? <laughs> like, we were saving the whole planet Earth in the pandemic years and they came up with a bigger budget. So that's where Senator Warren is wrong, right? She's got all her policies and her programs. The other thing is, so don't forget, increasing the supply of the labor force would be wonderful. That's how mm-hmm. to. So you get, you get the immigrants. Immigration. You get the yeah, you fix that policy. And you get rid of programs that are keeping people off of, from working because they're too generous. Any able-bodied American should be able to work, and we should encourage them to work. And that will bring to increased labor supply and bring down wage pressure. And you have to go back state by state and look at all the programs that were done for generous reasons, but nice reasons in unemployment, but don't apply today when we're dying. We just opened a hotel in Hawaii. I just talked to my guy last night. He's like, we have no housekeepers. So I mean, capitalism, I'll pay 50 bucks an hour, go be a housekeeper in Hawaii, and I'll pass that through. We can handle that. We can handle higher prices if people have higher incomes. That's actually creating wealth in a nation. So that's actually a good thing. This 2% inflation target is made up. It could be 3 By the way, he doesn't notice we have $33 trillion of debt. And the deficit is going to be so much bigger than the federales tell us. So you're having lower receipts and higher and higher expenses. Barry,
4: you gotta gotta come in here. We're gonna see you the first week of April when you can be right here in studio with us. And sometime we're gonna do this over drinks because that
1: would be wild. Thanks, Barry. Next on Squawk Pod, who wins the AI wars? CNBC's John Fort has all sides of the story, the biggest players and
3: the underdogs. Investors aren't paying enough attention to Duolingo, a $5 billion market cap company that just announced it's building conversational AI into a new premium tier of its service.
1: Welcome back to Squawk Pod from CNBC today with Joe Kernan and Becky Quick. It has been a huge week for
4: artificial intelligence with Adobe and Nvidia both announcing major new initiatives just after Microsoft and Google rolled out advancements in office and workspace. So to capitalize on the future of AI, should investors bet on a platform or platform companies like Nvidia, or should they be betting on app companies like Adobe? John Ford is here to weigh in. John, good morning.
3: Morning, Becky. Uh well they should bet on platform companies. Think NVIDIA, Microsoft, Google. They have the scale to weather a choppy economy, the revenue base to fund an AI expansion, and the leverage to benefit when smaller companies innovate on top of what they build. NVIDIA this week announced its DGX Cloud Platform and AI Foundations, a cloud service that'll let businesses effectively build and operate their own custom versions of generative AI models, Chat GPT and Dali. Microsoft last month explained how buzzy startup OpenAI is built on top of its Azure cloud infrastructure to deliver results. And Google last week unveiled new AI features inside of its workspace offering. That's basically marketing for the AI capabilities that can be built on its Google cloud platform. You you get the idea. These companies were winners in the cloud era. Now they're selling picks and shovels in the new AI gold rush. Rather than try to figure out which AI-driven application is going to strike gold, bet on the platform providers who have already shown they know how to compete.
4: Web era giants, as you mentioned, those companies like Microsoft or Amazon and Google, they managed to become even bigger when they got into the cloud and the mobile era, but isn't it pretty unusual for a big player like that to win? Well, Ah, you just did it.
3: Yes. (laughs) On the other hand, it makes more sense to bet on app companies to surge ahead in AI. PC giants, Microsoft Dell, and Intel didn't dominate mobile. Don't assume cloud giants will dominate AI. Adobe's a great example of a potential upstart. This week they announced Firefly, a homegrown family of AI models that'll generate images, text effects, and eventually video. Not only that, Adobe's planning to let other companies build on Firefly for their own custom AI experience. So why does that matter? Well, Microsoft and Google and NVIDIA are already valued as platform companies. NVIDIA is the smallest with a $650 billion market cap. That's 500% bigger than Adobe. But NVIDIA's revenue is more like 50% bigger. The platform companies are already priced to win. Meanwhile, investors aren't paying enough attention to Duolingo, a $5 billion market cap company that just announced it's building conversational AI into a new premium tier of its service. Or Samsara, a $9 billion market cap company whose sensors, cameras, and software work together to drive efficiency in logistics and manufacturing and might use AI to turbocharge its momentum, Becky.
4: You know, some people question whether those small software companies will even survive.
3: Well, these are tough times, but it's interesting. There are these targeted companies that are generating cash and actually growing pretty quickly. I mean, Samsara is up 42% year over year.
5: Now do the last other quarter. Now do the other do a double a, 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 on the other hand. Switch hands again. <laughs> well, she said they might. Su- there's questions. They will survive. You said they will su- do the opposite. They, they, well, the
3: opposite side is they might we, not survive. Yeah. Oh, they might we can not do survive. The, yeah. Oh, you, we well. can do
5: this till the cows come home.
3: We I could. Think. We could. I, I really think their survival probably not so much in question unless we have a super deep recession and somebody buys okay, them out.
5: Can, seriously, can next time you come on, do your first on the other hand have a question. And then the answer is another on the other hand.
3: So just do hand? No, do, keep doing it. Hand over hand. That'll take the whole for It'll be like Dr. Strange. Or, what if there's
5: three scenarios? This segment could be what if there's three scenarios? On the other hand, on the, on the foot, there could be three scenarios for some of these things. It's too. like a multiverse of on the other
4: hand. This
1: little piggy went to market. You could do all 10 times. <laughs> That's the podcast for today. Thank you for listening, as always. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross-Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears every day, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And turn on your notifications so you don't miss a thing. We'll meet you back here tomorrow.
0: We are clear. Thanks, guys.
7: From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast.